discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything He is. That is why He told Abraham, He said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave Himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God Himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatin as Christ is magnified. If there's any question in your hands, you can just ask and it will be answered. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm sure this is not what you're expecting, but I was also not expecting it. It's a great blessing. Any question in your hands? Yes. Pastor Talamah's hand is up. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you. Uh, there's this thing that has been bothering me. Uh, holiness and righteousness practicing holiness and we know that we are saved like we are righteous uh-huh. so it's like the two I think there's a difference or something like that but I can't quite get it so I've been thinking about it for a long time so I want some uh, clarification on it holiness and righteousness what's the difference yeah what's the difference between holiness and when you it? practice holiness say it again when do you practice holiness when you practice holiness. yes beautiful Hallelujah. I think it's a very good question, isn't it? Okay, so let's pick righteousness. Okay? What is righteousness? What is righteousness? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 22. So, you know, we've defined righteousness over the period. Kenyon, E.W. Kenyon defined righteousness as the ability to stand before God without any sense of guilt or condemnation. You see, to be accepted before God. All right. There's also another definition of righteousness, which is to be in the place of the Son. The, simp- the, the simplest definition of righteousness is to be in the place, position, authority, okay, of the Son. That is of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. To be where? To be in the place, position, authority of the Son. There's more, but at least these three are okay. It means to be treated like the Son is treated, or like Jesus is treated. So this scripture in Second uh, Corinthians 5.21, which says that, For he has made him to be sin. God made Jesus to be sin for us. God allowed Jesus to take our place of sin. Do you see? God allowed Jesus to what? To take our place of sin. Pastor Anna, Pastor Mark, please come. So let's say Jesus, Pastor Nana is Jesus. All right. So, Pastor Nana is Jesus. Can you face each other? And Pastor Mark is the sinner. 
Dizzy. As a sinner, if you read in Romans, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, what does it say? For the wages of sin is what? Is death. So this man is deserving of death. This man is deserving of sickness, of poverty, of everything that's falling short of the glory of God demands. Okay? It includes spiritual death, physical death, eternal death. Poverty, weakness, everything you can think about. Every bad thing you can think about. Now, Jesus took our place. Now, Jesus is the son. He's the son of God who was tempted in all points and yet without sin. Do you see? That's in Hebrews chapter 2. There's one in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Look at Hebrews 4, 16, uh, 15, sorry. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. You see, he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet he was without sin. Are you in the church? Yeah. Then chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. Wherefore in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren, like unto us. That is unto, not as, as Christians now, or as born again believers, but as unto humanity. Okay? Pay attention. This is, these are some of the things that God told me we are going to ask. Yes. So, that's what God is speaking already. So please pay attention, okay? Wherefore, in all things, it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Verse 18. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to help them that are tempted. So Jesus was tempted in all points. Like all of us are tempted, but he was without sin. I in the church. So he was sinless, spotless. He's a lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Okay? And the favor, you know, because he's a son of God, he had favor with God, he had acceptance with God, he had every nice thing you can think about. Prosperity is his. Every nice thing you can think about is his. Now, Jesus took our place in death. Do you see? So please, you can go, you can take his place. Jesus took our place, okay, of sin and died in our place. And because he died in our place, his righteousness is now our righteousness. His acceptance is now our acceptance. His position is now our position. This was where he was standing before, do you remember? So he took our place in death, in sin, so that we can take his place in righteousness and in life. So righteousness has to do with being accepted, having the place of the son, being accepted before God, standing before God without any sense of guilt, any sense of condemnation, being in the place of favor, being in the place of peace, being in the place of joy, being in the place of goodness as a result of what Jesus did. So 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says that for he was made to be, he didn't become a sinner. He was made to be sin. He became the very embodiment of sin. Jesus took sin into his flesh, into his body, so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I hope you get it. So if you read in Romans chapter 5, verse 17, look at Romans 5, 17. It says, for if by one man's offense, by Adam's offense, if you remember this guy, is a sinner. He's, that's Adam and all his problems. By one man, if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. If by one man's offense, everybody was made a sinner. 
Okay, how much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Look at verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. By Adam's disobedience, a lot, all of humanity were made what sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. By the obedience of Jesus Christ, all of us who believe in him, okay, are described as righteous or take the position or the place of righteousness. Are you in a church? Yeah. So when you get born again, it's called, it's called righteous, righteousness by faith. Okay? It's called what? Righteousness. Righteousness by faith. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you are declared righteous. That's in Romans chapter 4. Let's read Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 from verse 4. Now to him that works is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of death. It is the one who works to receive the goodness of God. It is not reckoned of grace, or it is not accounted as a result of grace, but as a result of his works. Are you getting it? Yeah. So there's nothing you can do to be righteous. Any attempt you make to be righteous before God is called self-righteousness. It's called righteousness by works. And that is what the Jews have been doing, trying to do all this well. So if you read in Romans chapter 10 from verse 1, you see it there. Look at Romans chapter 10 verse 1. Brethren, my heart is then prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Verse 2. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They have a zeal for God, but it's not according to the knowledge of God. Next verse. They want to, they like God, they want to know God, but they are not doing it according to the knowledge that God has revealed. Are you in the church? For by their, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness. So there's a righteousness called God's righteousness. Or the righteousness of God. And going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So they are going about trying to establish their own righteousness by obeying the law, by doing some things, you know, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, so that you become, you are centered before God. But in Christ, it's not like that. When you receive Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, by faith, by your faith in Him, that is it. You are declared the righteousness of God in Christ. Are you in a church? So it is for being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Next verse. For Christ is the end. Christ is what? The end. Did he say Christ is part of the end? Christ is the end. Christ is the conclusion. Okay? Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you don't need to gain righteousness through the law. Through, Jesus, through believing in Jesus Christ, you are declared righteous. You take the place of Jesus Christ by virtue of your simple faith in Jesus. So the day you declared, you declared Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, that day you were made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What it means is that now you are accepted before God. Now you have taken the place of Jesus. Okay, far above our principality and powers. All that belongs to him is now yours. His authority is now your authority. His blessings is now your blessings. That is why we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Because we have taken our place in him, we are blessed above all principalities and powers. Hallelujah. Are you in the church? So that is basically what righteousness is about. And the whole of the gospel is called, the gospel is the revelation of this particular thing I just described to you. You taking the place of Jesus and Jesus taking your place. That is what the whole gospel is about. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of 
Christ. This is the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to every man, everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Then it says, For therein, for in the gospel, is a righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So the righteousness of God, the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. The gospel is basically the revelation of, this, of the righteousness of God. The fact that now you have taken the place of Jesus. Are you in the church? So whenever you go to church and they tell you they are preaching the gospel and they are not talking about you being made the righteousness of God in Christ, there's a problem. The gospel is not change. The gospel is not change and God will like you. The gospel is God likes you. He has made a change for you. And it's given to us as a gift. You don't need to work for it. You don't need to die for it. You don't need to fast for it. You don't need to pray for it. You don't need to do any of those things. The fact that you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior is good enough. That is a qualification. Okay? If you read in Romans 3, you see some more there. Romans 3 from verse 20. Look at Romans 3, 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, by the doings of the law, Trying to meet God's standards by your actions, I'll live a good life. Are we saying we shouldn't live a good life? Emphatically not. You live a good life because you are the righteousness of God. You don't live a good life to be made the righteousness of God. You live a good life because you are now the righteousness of God. Because that is what the right that is what Christ did. If Jesus is a representation of God's righteousness on earth, and you look at Jesus' life in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you notice that he wasn't fooling around then you should know that the nature of righteousness does not also fool around. But if you try not to fool around in order to be accepted before God, you cannot. Okay. All you need to do is to accept his righteousness. When you accept his righteousness, then you can live the way he wants you to live. Okay. Do you get it? Uh-huh. So, it says, Therefore by the deeds of the Lord, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, or there shall no flesh be declared not guilty, or declared righteous in God's sight. By the doings of the law. You can't. You can't. The law says you shouldn't. You see, there is the law which addresses all the outward things. The law addresses things like fornication, adultery, stealing, which were all actions, outward actions. But it didn't address things in your conscience. You see, if you were thinking about a woman, or thinking about a guy, or thinking about stealing, or do, the law could not. The law could only apprehend you when you do. It, it wasn't. It couldn't apprehend you when you think. But there was another law called the law of the conscience, which worked together with the law. The law works, the, the law of Moses works outside, and the law of your conscience works inside. So when you think wrong, now it will catch you. That's in Romans chapter 2. Yes. Romans 2 15. It says, Which show the work of the law written in their hearts? Their conscience also go up. Let's read from verse 14 so we can understand it very well. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law of Moses, do by nature the things contained in the law, in the law of Moses, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. It says the Gentiles do not have the law of Moses. What separated the world was the law of Moses. When the law of Moses was given to the Jews, they became separated from everyone else. You get it? Yeah. Hmm. So initially, before God, before Jesus came down to this, earth, to this earth, the world was divided into two, Jews and Gentiles. The Jews were those who were in covenant with God by virtue of their relationship with Abraham, physical relationship with Abraham, biological relationship with Abraham. 
okay, and also by virtue of the law of Moses. When you were born into Abraham's, you know, seed, and if you are born into Abraham's line, you are a Jew, and you are given the law to obey. And that separated them from the Gentiles. The Gentiles were those who were godless. That calls them, they didn't have any law. They were without God. That's in uh, Hebrews chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, rather. Ephesians 2, verse 18. Look at Ephesians 2, 11. Okay, let's go to 11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. He's talking about the Jews calling those who are not circumcised Gentiles. You get it? Verse, verse 12. That at that time you were without Christ. This is how the Jews, the Gentiles were. They were without Christ. What it means is that they, were, they, they didn't have any relationship with the promised seed that was coming. Do you see? If you read Romans chapter 9, you see <laughs> look at Romans chapter 9. Yes. Let's read Romans chapter 9. Let's read verse 2. Verse 2 and 3. Okay, from verse 1. To make more sense. I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. That I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. This is Paul talking. For I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ for brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. He says, I wish I was cursed from Christ for my brothers, my natural brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Next verse. Who are Israelites? Then it says, the Israelites are the ones to whom pertain the adoption. The adoption has to do with, he's not talking about, talking about you adopting someone's child as your child. He's talking about the placing of sons. The word adoption has to do with the placing of sons. When a man, a king gives birth, a king has maybe five sons. He chooses one of them and trains them, trains the person and raises the person to become the king after him. You get it. And that process is called adoption. So he says that the adoption of the airship, the, the kingship, the rulership of this world was actually given by God to the Israelites. So he says, to them pertaineth the adoption, and to them pertain the glory. When the Bible says Christ knew the hope of glory, that was actually for the Jews, it wasn't for the Gentiles. Then he says, and the covenant, which covenant? The covenant of righteousness pertains to the Jews. Eh? Then he says, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises, all of them belong to the Jews. It wasn't for the Gentiles. But by virtue of Jesus' coming, it is taken from the Jews and given to the Gentiles. I see what I'm talking about. Yes. So, because you are born again now, I mean, you are, you are cut from your natural roots into the roots of God by virtue of Jesus' believing in Jesus Christ. Okay? So go back to Romans chapter, chapter 3 where we're reading. We're reading verse 20 if you remember. He says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. We read verse 20. Go to verse 20 and let's read from verse 20. Therefore by the deeds of the law, or by the doings of the law, there shall no flesh, nobody can qualify. If you are here and are trying to qualify before God by virtue of your works, you are in for a very long journey. We don't fast because we want to be accepted before God. No, we don't pray because we want to be accepted before God. We don't give because we want to have right standing with God. No, the matter of righteousness can only be accomplished in Christ for you. Nothing else. There's nothing you can do to make you righteous. 
to make you accepted before God. There's nothing. Absolutely nothing. What do you think about what I'm saying? That's what the Bible says. I'm not the one saying it. It says, Therefore by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified or made righteous in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. When you hear the law, if the law tells you don't do this, don't steal. It has taught you that there's something called stealing. And as human as human beings are, you start thinking about what you have been told. No, so. Next verse, verse 21. Then he says, but now there's another righteousness called the righteousness of God, which is without the law, which has nothing to do with the law. Okay? Which is manifested. Being witness or being spoken of. This righteousness was spoken of by the law, which is the, the, the five books of Moses and the prophets, which are all the other books of the Old Testament. He says, this righteousness of God was spoken of. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 20, 22. Then he says, even the righteousness, which is the righteousness of God, which is by what? Faith. Which is by what? Faith. Is by faith of Jesus Christ. It is by faith in Jesus Christ. The word of can be translated in. It is by faith in Jesus Christ. Unto all and upon all them that believe. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you are given this particular righteousness free of charge. It's a gift. It's called the gift of righteousness. You don't, you don't work for gifts. It's a gift from God to you. That is why he brought Jesus Christ. So that you can be, you can take his place of righteousness. Whilst he takes your place of sin. If you are born again, the only if you are born, if you was raised, that's the reason why he died. That's the only reason. There's no other reason why Jesus died. Jesus died because of your sins. Not only the nature of sin, but the acts of sin. He died for your sin and for your sins. Oh yes. Oh yes. Past, present, future. Sins. Yeah. Yeah. Fire, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that now you can do whatever you want to do. Free bone to now, we must make use of the blood. We must use the blood. The blood must be put to use. No. He has taken you out, now you are going back in. No, he didn't take you out for that. You need to understand why he took you out. You see, he took you out for a purpose. There's a reason why he saved you. There's a reason why you were bought from the slave market of sin. So that you can serve him with your life. You understand? Uh-huh. So that is basically what righteousness has to do with. Okay? Now, if you read in Romans chapter 10, from verse 8... You see it. It says, but what's he added? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which you preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto what? Righteousness. Or you believe unto something called righteousness. You believe and are catapulted into something called righteousness, which is the righteousness of God. It means that when you believe in Jesus Christ, you take... You, you understand that he took your place of sin and therefore you have a right to take his place of righteousness and favor. Okay? For when the hand man believeth unto righteousness and when the man confession is made unto salvation. So go back to um, Romans chapter, five, chapter 4, 20, 25, where we're reading. It says, Jesus was delivered on account of our offenses and was raised again on account of our justification. Verse, the next verse is chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, but being justified, being declared, because he took our place of sin 
and was raised when we were made right with God, or when we were made righteous with God, he says, therefore being justified or being declared not guilty by faith, it's by what? Faith. faith, not by works, by faith. We have peace with God. So now there's no problem between you and God. You can talk to God in the bathroom. You can talk to God on the toilet. You can talk to God anywhere. Are you in the church? Yeah. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. Verse 2. By whom? By our Lord Jesus Christ, we also have access by faith into this grace. So you are standing in a place, in a spot of favor. You are in the spot. You are in Jesus' spot now. It's called this grace. Eh? You, are in a, you are in a spot of Jesus. And it's a sweet spot. It's a spot of peace. It's a spot of goodness. It's a spot of favor. It's a spot of righteousness. It's a spot of prosperity. It's a spot of health. It's a spot of healing. It's a, it's a spot of joy. It's a spot of what? Peace. Every nice thing you can think about. You are now entitled to every nice thing you can think about. And you need to, you need to believe it. If you don't believe it, the devil will keep telling you that you are not good enough. So you have every right to be treated in a nice way. God did not spare Jesus Christ when he was putting sin on him. God punished Jesus for every single error. Yes, it's called God's inflexible justice. He punished Jesus for everything you can think about. So you too, you should not spare. God did not spare in punishing Jesus for you. You too, you should not spare in enjoying all that God has made available in Christ Jesus for you. You shouldn't spare. You should not be happy that you are not happy. Yes. You should not be happy that you are, you are depressed. No. No, God doesn't want you to be depressed. Was Jesus ever depressed? You're occupying his place now. So there's no reason for you to be depressed anymore. Yeah? A bit of a question. Okay. I wanted to find out, can you say that righteousness of God is also the nature of God. Exactly so. Yes. So if... Because it is God's nature. In Romans chapter 8, Romans 3, 24, sorry. Romans 3, 24. He says, being justified freely, being now declared not guilty freely by God's grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, through the buying back that is great. It's because of Jesus' um, death on the cross that we are now declared not guilty. So he says, being justified freely. You see, and uh, Reverend George will tell you it's continuous, it's a continuous active voice. You get it? It means that something that God is doing continuous. God is impute. God's joy, God takes joy in declaring you not guilty consistently. He's consistently declaring you not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, not, guilty, not condemned, accepted. Always, all the time. Amen. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 25. Whom God has set forth. God set Jesus forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. The word propitiation is mercy seat. God gave Jesus as the mercy seat. Jesus is the, is the mercy seat upon whom the blood, his own blood was poured so that you and I will, not be, de will be declared not guilty. Are you, I don't know if you are getting it. Jesus was the high priest who took his own blood. Jesus was the high priest. He was the lamb. He was the offering. He was the high priest. And he was also the mercy seat. So Jesus, all in one, he died as a lamb whose blood is used for your cleansing and for your 
being declared not guilty, and also rose up from the dead as a high priest and took, your, took his own blood to the mercy seat where God sits to witness the blood and declare and eh, check if the blood is the blood of an innocent animal and declare not guilty. Declare the offerer not guilty. So Jesus is called the Helascoma, Helasterion, and Helasmos. He is the offering, he is the high priest, and he is the mercy seat. All so that you will be declared not guilty. Can you imagine? Yeah. Now, let me show you. Let me show you that righteousness is the nature of God. So, this verse says it, okay? Um, let's read the King James, please. It's too much. I can't see it well. Whom God has set for to be a proposition through faith in his blood. To declare. God did it to declare his righteousness. Because God's nature is righteousness. So, God is righteous in declaring the sinner not guilty because that is his nature. He has the nature of righteousness. Okay? Let's read easy English. It will help us. Easy English. He says, God chose to offer Christ as a sacrifice so that he could forgive sinful people. God sent Christ to bleed and to die. And as a result, God forgives people who believe Christ. God did this to show clearly that he is always completely right and fair. Why? Because that's his nature. Always completely right and fair. In, in past times, God did not punish people who were doing wrong things. Next, verse 26, still in the easy English. He did not punish them because he is so patient. But now God has given Christ to show at this time that he is completely right and fair. You guys, he's giving Christ to show what kind of a person he is. To show that he is completely right and fair. God did this to show that he accepts people as right with himself. If any person believes Jesus, God accepts that person is right. I seen it. I don't know if this is like this is a different easy English. There are other there are newer versions, eh? I don't know if you have another easy English. There's English that says it differently. But I hope you understand this. Do you understand this? So righteousness is being accepted before God as Christ. So whenever you appear before the Lord, you're actually appearing as Christ. You are now in the position of Jesus. So God sees you as he sees Jesus. You are now in the place of Jesus. So God sees you as he sees Jesus. Yeah. Do you see? Yes. Yeah. And so I wanted to add that because of that, you have his nature also. That's why sin is not a problem because... Because um, I know that's where he's coming from. The, the confusion of this is, oh, if it's not very clear, yes, you've mentioned it, but then sometimes people get into licentiousness. No, God also dealt with sin. Okay. So he crucified, he said, um, so this is in Romans, Romans chapter 6, verse 6. He said that knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So the Bible talks about the fact that we were also crucified with him. And as he was crucified, our sinful nature was crucified with him on the cross. Okay. Uh-huh. Therefore, we should not serve sin. Another version says that sin doesn't have power over you anymore because it was crucified with Christ. So all these things are all encompassing. 
he dealt with sin. So now that you have been made righteous, sin was also dealt with. Do you understand? So sin also doesn't have power over you. Actually, the opposite of righteousness is sin. Mm-hmm. So if you are righteous, that means that you have been taken away from sin. Uh-huh. The opposite of righteousness is sin. It is not holiness. Mm-hmm. The opposite of holiness is commonness. Mm-hmm. The first time the word sanctified or holy is used in the Bible, it was in reference to a day. And the Lord rested on the seventh day and sanctified it. So it has nothing to do, even bowls and uh, spoons were declared holy, isn't it? Yeah. When we were brought before the presence of God, they were declared holy. This Genesis 2, 2 says, and, the, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. Eh? Next verse 3. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it or made it holy, separated it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. So holiness has nothing to do with sin. It has everything to do with being common. Okay? That, that which does not have the presence of God is referred to as common. That which has the presence of God is referred to as holy. Okay? Now, so let's, let's answer the question of holiness. What is holiness? That's what we are describing. Holiness has to do with the presence of God. Anything that has the presence of God is described as being holy. So in, in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1, the Bible describes us as holy because of the presence of God that is upon us. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Because of our position in Christ, or because we have taken the place of Christ, we are now set apart unto God. Have you seen it? And that makes us holy. Now, you cannot grow grow in righteousness, because righteousness is the position which God places you in. But you can grow in holiness. You can become more set apart for the Lord as a child of God. You can become more sanctified. It's not every child of God who is growing in sanctification or growing in holiness. There are those who are not. And there are those who are. Acts chapter 20 verse 32. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among God them which are sanctified. Do you see? We are all sanctified. We are all set apart as a result of Christ's death. But the same Bible says that be you holy as your God and your Father is holy. Isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. It has to do with living practically in the, in the sanctified state that God has placed you in. Hmm? First chapter 1 verse 16. But as he, which has, as he which has called you is holy, so be you holy in all manner of conversation. He's talking about your lifestyle, living in a sanctified way before the Lord. Because it is written, be you holy for I am holy. Do you get it? So he's talking about living in holiness or living practically in the consciousness of who you are in Christ. And not saying that, oh, I'm not the righteous of God so I can do whatever I want to do. No. You want to be set apart from the, for the Lord. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Go to 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from what? 
depart from iniquity. So they are those who name the name of Christ and are embod- and, and, and embodied or engrappled in, uh, in iniquity. It says, let everyone that name the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Verse 20. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Next verse. If any man, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. Sanctified. Are we not all sanctified? Yeah. We are all sanctified. No bizo. First yeah. Corinthians 6, 11. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Have you seen it? It says you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified. So we are all sanctified. That's the truth. But in our sanctification, there are those who have gone to higher levels, and there are those who have not gone to any level. Do you see? If you decide to live in the consciousness of your righteousness in Christ, it will affect how you live. Your consciousness of the righteousness of God that you, you are in Christ ends up affecting your setting yourself apart for the use of the Lord. So go back to Second Timothy. It says, if any man therefore purge himself from this, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use. So when we talk about holiness, we are talking about the master's use. You want the master to use you more and more. Yeah. Do you get it? Yeah. Yes. You want, you want God to be able to do what he wants to do through you. So you are not doing certain, type, certain things that others are doing because you want to live the way he wants to live. Because he, he sanctified you for a purpose. He wants to use you. If you don't want the devil to accuse you so too many times, learn to live the way God wants you to live. It's as simple as that. Okay? He shall be a vessel unto Anna, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. He says the foundation of God started sure. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone that name it the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. So he's expecting you to depart from iniquity. Paul said we shouldn't use our liberty as an occasion for the flesh to sin. The fact that you, are li- you have been liberated in Christ does not mean that you can do whatever you want to do. Please, you get it? Yes. What I just said is in Galatians. Use not your liberty as an occasion for the flesh. So let the fear of God guide you. Okay? Tell me, but let the fear of God guide you. Yes, Galatians 5.13. For brethren... Ye have been called unto liberty. We have been called into liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So you can't say I'm the righteousness of God, so I'll take this young man's phone and keep it because my sins were forgiven. It was put on Christ, past, present, future. So I'm going to take my brother's, I'm taking my brother's girlfriend. All things are mine, including his beloved, including his wife, including his car. You don't do that. You get it? So he says, don't, don't use your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, for the flesh, for the flesh to do whatever it wants to do. But by love, serve one another. We should rather serve one another and be kind to one another and help one another rather than messing up and fooling around. By the way, Titus chapter 2 verse 11 should always be a scripture that you remember. Okay? Hmm. Like my, Pastor Yvonne says, and she said that the righteousness is the nature of God. 
And the nature of God does not, is not consistent with sin. It's not. Do you see? Huh? How do you live the victorious life that Jesus has given you over sin, over condemnation, over guilt, over fear, over doubt, over unbelief, and all of those things? By remembering that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, you occupy his place, his position of strength, of joy, of whatever, of goodness. That is what gives you the upper hand to overcome every single challenge in life. Okay? For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. The grace of God has appeared to all men. Then it says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Have you seen it? Yeah. We should live what? Soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So God is, God is expecting all of us to live in a particular way because he has made us his righteousness. He's expecting us to live in. Listen, sin is not nice, though. Have you noticed sin is not nice? It's nice immediately, but you realize after some time it's not really exciting. Do you know what I'm talking about? How many of you have done something wrong before? Was it exciting? If you say no, I'll, I'll, I'll not be happy. I'll, not, I'll be surprised. It was, it was nice when you were doing it. No, be so. But after the guilt, the condemnation, the, the way you feel, the regrets, it's not exciting. Because you're a child of God, there's constant, like your spirit does not like what your flesh is doing. Mm-hmm. You see, it's bad for, and that is what God God doesn't want you to live in, in guilt and condemnation consistently. Like every time something's going on, you have done this, you have done that, and you are you are going down and 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 down. God doesn't want that for you. You can't even come to church. You are feeling shy. And the devil is the devil is punching you all the time, saying things about you. You are not a good person, you're a wicked person. You see, and so much unbelief. You can't even believe what God has said concerning you. You see that God has said that you are my right, you are my righteous, but you don't believe it because of your practical experience. Why my experience is not in line with what God has said. And it's not exciting. God doesn't want that for you. God doesn't want that for you. That is why he wants to live the way he wants. You see, the life of God is the nature of God. And like I said, the nature of God is the righteousness of God. Okay, and the righteousness of God does not, it doesn't do, there are some things it just doesn't do. The fear of the Lord is in there. It's in there. Hallelujah. You want to say something? I'm just adding that, you know, if, of course, when you become born again immediately, you have a new nature, which is God's nature, which is the righteous nature, okay? That's is in what? Second Corinthians 5.17. Yeah. Yeah, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And the 18 says, and all these things are of God. Let's go to 18. And all things are of God. Okay. So your new nature is of God. Now, you realize that there's still some of your old nature that wants to come back because of your mind. Okay. That's why the Bible is saying you have to renew your mind. By reading what God has said concerning you, the righteous. Okay. You must keep repeating it yourself. So you have to. So the way you became born again was not by your actions. 
you didn't do something to become born again. It's not like you walked 100 miles to reach the born again mark. Do you understand? You just believed what was said and then you became. So how that righteous nature begins to show forth. The Bible says that I have believed, therefore I have spoken. So you also believe, therefore you speak. So as you, you read, that's why you have to personally read the Bible for yourself. Now, wherever it says righteous, whatever it says about the righteous, that is you. And then you speak it for yourself. Now, as you speak it, you become it. It may not, it, it is a consistent thing. So look, oh, I tried it today. No, because the devil doesn't want you to get it. So he'll keep poking at you. But you have to understand that. As the word of God has said, I am righteous. Whatever the word of God is saying concerning me is what I am. And therefore, you have to spend time. So not just coming to church, hearing it and going, that's it. No. Your personal time, going into the closet and making sure that what has been said concerning you is ingrained in your mind, it has gone into your heart, then you'll begin to bear fruit. You understand? Otherwise, the parable of the sower, there are different groups of people who all hear the word. You may find yourself in there depending on what you do with the word that you receive. Do you understand? So yes, you will be a Christian, you are born again, you are righteous, but you will not bear fruit because you are not spending time to incorporate what the word of God has said concerning you. You understand? So a cursory Christian life will definitely not show fruits. There's no shortcut to it. Everybody has to go and pay attention to what Christ has said concerning them as the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. You must keep looking at it. Yeah. Keep looking at it. Keep believing it. Keep saying it. And it will be your experience. Because that is what the Bible, that's what God has said concerning you. Okay, so you say the same thing in consent with what God has said. What has God said concerning you? Don't say what you are feeling. Say what God has said concerning you. You understand? Yes. You say, when you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, what you're saying is that I am to be treated like Christ is treated. Yes. I am in the place of Jesus Christ. You see, I'm a child of God. I am the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Please have answered. Have we answered you? Is it good? Beautiful. Beautiful. So, thank you, Daddy. Okay. Um, so, whenever I hear a message on righteousness, I begin to think about how that, so I don't need to do anything. Christ has done everything for me. So, my question is, how do I walk in the supply of God? Because upon reading, for instance, in John 6, they asked Jesus, how do you, how do you work the works of God? And Jesus said, by believing. So, even if you read in Mark 4, in Mark 9, realize that the man that, um, his son had a bilibili. <laughs> he was like, I believe, but I help my own belief. So how do I walk in? How do I believe? What does it mean to believe? So that whatever Christ has done, or God has done for us in Christ, I can walk in it. Because sometimes like you, in your heart, you know you believe. But like you are not seeing what you want to see. So how do I walk in the supply of God? Beautiful. That's, it was just answered. It was just answered some few seconds ago. What was I going to say? Is you speak, you believe, you believe, you speak. If you believe, then you will speak. 
If you believe, you'll not be quiet. What is in your heart comes out of your mouth. Do you see? So, if you say you believe that you are the righteous of God in Christ, and what comes out of your mouth when you are not looking or when you are not conscious is that I'm a sinner. It shows you what you really believe. Have you ever, has it ever happened to you before? You are there and then you just say, I'm not a good person at all. Why am I bad like that? You are, you are, I'm, a, I'm too bad. It's because you've, not, you've actually not believed what you claim you believe. It's not yet in your heart. It's in your mind. Reverend Joe said the longest distance in the whole world is the distance from the mind to the heart. Do you get it? So you must keep believing and you must keep saying. Okay? Now, the righteousness of God does something. It says. It's Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Next verse. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Verse 5. For Moses described the right. This is, this is the description of Moses. Moses described the law which is of the righteousness which is of the law. And this is what the righteousness of the law says or does. The man which doeth those things shall live by them. In other words, when you do what the law is saying, then you, can, you shall live. But if you don't do what the law is saying, you cannot live or you shall not walk in righteousness. Are you getting it? So that's what the... So anything, anytime you try to do something to be, the, to be righteous before God, know that you're working according to the righteousness which is of the law, which says that the man which does those things shall live by them. I don't know if I'm making sense. Why are you, why are you going to church? Because I don't have a problem with God. Who told you God has a problem with you? God says that he has accepted you. He has, there's peace between you and him. It's not your church attendance or not that makes you accepted before God. You are attending church so that you get to know his word some more. Yeah. And so that you, be, you, you go where he says to go. You are just living in obedience to what he has said. Not because you want him to accept you. Are you getting it? Yeah. But if you are going to church, because, because there are a lot of people who are in church because they feel that that is the way that God sees that God is sticking you know, marking. So that they know when it's time for them to ask for something from God, God will check the register and check and notice that, oh, Ty, this girl, she has been coming to church, but Michael, do something for her. But if, you, if you've noticed, it doesn't work like that. There are people who are not in church, but they are doing very well. Because it's not about that. You get it? Uh-huh. You are in church because God says to be in church. I don't know if you get it. God says to be in church. And because you love God, you do what he says, you'll just obey him. Okay? Okay, so it's for Moses discovered the, the, the righteousness, which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. Next verse, verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend? Basically, what he's trying to let you know is that the righteousness which is of faith speaketh. It speaketh. It speaketh. It doesn't do. It speaks. It speaks. So you're speaking your way of doing. Are you getting it? You want to live practically in it, start speaking it. I'm the right. That's what Pastor Chris said. Don't keep saying it. Don't stop talking it. Because that's the truth. The more you say it, the more it becomes your reality. Okay? Yes. You must keep saying it. And as you say it, you believe it. 
And as you believe it, you say it. It's called the spiritual dynamo. As you say it, you believe it. As you believe it, you say it. As you say it, you believe it. As you believe it, you say it. If you believe, you will see. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. We have in the same spirit of faith, according as it's written, I believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. So you must talk, you must say, you must say something for yourself. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I believe. No matter your experience, just keep saying what God has said concerning you. Okay? The way to activate the power of God in your life, the way to activate the word of God is to speak it. Hmm? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick. Let's read the, um, the Amplified. He's talking about Rema, right? Yes. The spoken word. says, for the word that God speaks is alive. It's not the word that is written. The word that God, the word that is spoken. The word that God speaks is alive. So you, if you want the word of God to come alive, what do you do? Speak you must speak it. Okay. For the word that God speaks is alive and full of... You, 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 be, you can be quiet and you have a lot of problems. If you're a Christian who is, who is not into talking, who is not into saying anything, you are into thinking. Some, some, some of us are into fighting the devil's thoughts with thoughts. The devil is saying, you're a bad girl. And then you say, you say in your head, I'm a good girl. You're heading. No, it's more than that. You must, you must learn to vocalize your faith. You see, faith is a noun. Believing is a verb. No, so. Faith is a noun. And believing is a verb. Believing is the doing word. And believing has to do with speaking. The way to put your faith to work is by speaking. You say what God has said concerning you. For the word which God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Have you seen it? Then it goes on and it says... It is full, it is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing. So if you want the word of God to be energizing in your life, speak it. Don't keep quiet. If you want the word of God to be operative in your life, speak it forth. If you want it to be effective, speak it forth. Don't keep quiet. The only thing that we have for, to make advancement in the kingdom of God is the spoken word. Ephesians chapter 6, from verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand, therefore having your loins get about with, the, with truth, your belt, the belt of truth, that's the word of God, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, a consciousness of who you are in Christ. Have you seen it? Yeah. All these are for your defense. The belt is for your defense. The breastplate is for your defense. Next verse. And your feet shall the preparation of the gospel of peace. Next verse. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fire that's the wicked. Then it says, and take the helmet of salvation and the soul of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word, word of God, there is rema. The soul of the spirit, which is the rema of God. The spoken word of God. That is the only thing you can advance with. It's the sword that you use to make a way for yourself. Okay. If you don't speak the word of God, you will not make a way for yourself. When Jesus was being tempted by the devil in Matthew chapter 4, what did he do? He spoke the word. He said it is written. 
The devil left him because he spoke the word of God. If you don't speak the word of God and you are just thinking it, it's not going to work. Actually, meditation, the end of meditation is to speak. Meditation starts with thinking and then ends with speaking. You must learn to roar the word. You must learn to haggard the word. You must learn to speak the word. That's what meditation has to do with. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For God has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Then he says, so that we may boldly say, God, he's showing you why the word of God is there. God says, so that you and I may boldly say. He has said, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. If you don't say it boldly, it's not going to happen in your life. Learn this spiritual principle, please. Because it is the underlining. You may, you may think it's nothing, but it is something. How did everything we have in this world come into being? And God said, the way to let the word of God work in your life is to say it. It's not to think it. It's to say it. Think it, say it. Tell you about think it, but say it. Tell the other neighbor, think it, but say it. Tell the neighbor behind you, think it, but say it. The Spirit is always saying something to the church. Hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So if the Holy Ghost is in you, who, and he really is in you, he will inspire you to speak. If you've noticed, I don't know if you've ever noticed that you can be reading the Bible and you're feeling down. You're reading the Bible, you're listening to messages, you are doing, but you're still feeling down. But when you start speaking the word of God, I don't know if you've, ever, if, you've, if you've ever done that before. When you start speaking the word, I'm a child of God. The Holy Ghost is working in me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. My faith is working. Everything concerning me is working. You notice that you start coming up. It's the only way for the word of God to be active in your life. So please learn it. Your, your, your life goes where your tongue is going. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. What you are saying is what you are going to become. If you are saying that I'm not a good person, you are not going to be a good person. I'm a good person. Why are you a good person? Because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Do you see? Yes. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a good person. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. You may not feel it. it makes no difference. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is not a feeling. It has nothing to do with a feeling. It comes, it may come with a feeling, but it's not primarily a feeling. Okay? There were things that you could, you could use to tell if someone was filled with the Spirit. There are things you can use to tell. So in Acts chapter 6, verse, verse, verse 2, look at Acts chapter 6, verse 2. That 12 called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and set tables. Then they said, Look, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report. Then they said, Full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint about this business. They could know if someone was so the Holy Spirit. They could know. It wasn't a feeling. If I'm feeling bad, will you know that I'm feeling bad? No, so it's not feelings that they could. Because they, they are telling the whole multitude that look amongst you for men who, are, who have honest reports and men who are full of the Holy Ghost. It means that there were things they could tell that this person is full of the Holy Ghost. There were things you could tell, you could use to tell. 
Not feeling. Like I said, if I'm feeling, if I'm feeling good, you can't. I, it may not show my face. Or yeah. So it's not feeling. It's more than that. Ephesians chapter five, verse eighteen to twenty-two shows us some of the signs for us to know if a person is filled with the Holy Spirit. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. He compares the influence of the Spirit with drunkenness. Because some, when someone is drunk, you get to know by certain things. The breath. The breath, the speech, the movements. No, so. The, the eyes, the boldness. You see? The confidence. Do you know Casapreco? They call it Casapreco because you can, you can drink it and go and talk to your mother-in-law anyhow. The spirit is always, you know, typified of wine. He says, we should tarry long. They that tarry long are the wine. They that have redness of eyes. Do you see? Uh-huh. So there are things that you could use to tell. So he, he, he lists some of those, those things here. And be not drunk with wine where in his excess, but be filled with the spirit. Then he says, speaking. Speaking to yourselves in some. He's not talking about speaking to another person. He's talking about speaking to yourself. So if you want to know if you, are, if you want to know whether you have the spirit or not, check how many times or how much you speak to yourself. You speak to yourself. You speak the word of God to yourself. Sounds and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. A grateful, someone who is grateful. A thankful person is a person who is actually filled with the spirit. Anyone who is grateful to God for everything concerning his life. Good or bad. He's grateful to God. He knows that his Lord is in the, is in the Lord's hands. And he's not bothered. You are grateful to God for everything. Thank you, Father, that I failed. <laughs> Giving thanks always for all things. For not, not some things. For all things. Unto God. No mind. I'm 35. I'm no mind. You are giving thanks unto God anyway. Anyway. Thank you, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So we get to know if you are filled with the Spirit. There are things we can check. And one of the main things is speaking to your speaking. Yes. Like I said, the Spirit always speaks to the church. And you are the church. If the Spirit of God is inside, and He's really inside. And if He's really there, if you are really filled with the Spirit, you start speaking to yourself. Hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You start hearing. The Word of God will keep, you keep saying it. Yeah, so if you don't go any, if you don't go away with anything, remember that you are supposed to be speaking into your own life. Yeah, speak about, speak about everything. Speak about your children. Speak about your money. Speak about your your wife, your your husband. Hmm? Ministry. Speak into your ministry. We are growing. We are getting bigger and bigger and greater and greater. If you're a pastor, you can, a branch pastor especially, or if a group pastor, you, if you're not careful, you'll be speaking negative things about your church. You keep saying, our church is small. Our church is small. Our small church. Oh, it's a small church. Oh, it's a small church. Oh, it's a small church. We are only eight. We are only nine. Oh, it's a small church. <laughs> you, you are defeating yourself. With the ground is hard. Which ground is which ground is hard? I thought Jesus bought the whole field. Jesus' blood bought the whole field. He bought the whole world. The whole world, though. Every corner belongs to him. 
including the one you're describing as hard. He has treasure in there. I hope I've answered you. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. My question is in two folds. Okay. Is once saved, always saved, correct? Mm. Or can someone lose their salvation? And if one can lose their salvation, is it only through a conscious decision? Or can someone lose their salvation even without realizing? Beautiful. Wow. Did you hear what you said? Wow. Can you repeat it for them? Is once saved, always saved, correct? Is once saved, always saved, correct? Or can someone lose their salvation? Okay. And if one can lose their salvation, is it only through a conscious decision? Or can someone lose their salvation even without realizing? All right. You get it. If once saved, forever saved is not true, then can someone lose their salvation consciously or unconsciously? Idibab. John chapter 10, verse 26. John 10, 26. Be, but you believe not because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my, my hand. Let's read the Amplified of this verse so that you can understand it. Verse 28. This is Jesus talking. I'm not the one saying it. It's Jesus who is talking. And I give them eternal life. All those who follow me, all those who are my sheep, I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never lose it. Mm. Have I answered you? They shall what? Never. They shall never lose it. Oh, yes. Or perish throughout the ages. Oh, to all eternity, they shall never by any means be destroyed. Oh, glory. And no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. Oh. So... This is, these are Jesus' own words. So, yes, once saved, forever saved is the truth. Okay? But can someone lose their salvation? Emphatically, yes. How did you get born again? You got born again by believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. If you decide not to believe in him again, he cannot force you. You get married to someone, the person doesn't want to marry you again. You can't force a person. You cannot say, I am bound to you forever. Or whether you like it or not. Till death do us apart. So whether you like it or not, we are, we are, we are inside. And the person has left going to America, marry somebody else. And you say what? I don't know if you get it. So it depends on you. If you want to lose your salvation, it's up to you. But from the Lord's side, when he saves you, he has saved you. It is permanent. From the Lord's side, it is permanent. Okay? And you choose. So in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, 26, 27. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. It says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the man of psalmist, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Verse 26. For if we sin willfully, okay, willfully, and he's talking about, he's going to describe what, is, what he's talking about in a bit. He says, If we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth. There remained no more sacrifice for sins. Next verse. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fear indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. 28. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sorrow punishment supposing shall be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God? So this is what it means of sinning willfully, trodden underfoot the Son of God. 
We'll read lighter version so I can understand it. And has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and has done despite unto the spirit of grace. Let's read other versions of this particular verse. So it's a choice. You choose. You choose to say that I don't want Jesus anymore. Jesus is not the son of God. Jesus is nothing. Jesus is, you see, I'm just giving you an example so it doesn't apply to me. Do you understand? I'm saying it, but it's an example I'm giving because I don't believe it. I don't believe what I'm saying with my heart. I'm just preaching and I'm giving an example like what Paul wrote here. Paul said these things, but it wasn't from his heart. He's just showing you what it means, what you do to lose what Jesus has given to you. How much worse, sterner, and heavier punishment do you suppose he will be? He will be judged to deserve who has spanned and thus trampled underfoot the Son of God. How do you do it? He says, and who has considered the covenant blood which he was consecrated, by which he was consecrated, common and unhallowed, insulting the blood of Jesus. That is nothing. It's like the blood of, even the blood of goats did something for a year. Do you get it? So saying, willfully, consciously, Consciously saying that Jesus is not the Son of God, Jesus will not die for our sins, Jesus is just an angel, Jesus is fake, Jesus' blood is nothing because we were washed from our sins in His own blood. Jesus' resurrection is what makes us saved. But if you count the Son of God as nothing, eh? Then you can lose your salvation. And it's willful. It's something that is your decision. Okay? There's one in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 6, from verse 6. Let's read from verse 5, sorry. Verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened. So he's showing you. The various things that this person have got, has gone those who were once enlightened okay he's saying enlightened because of what the word of god represents are you here second yes. corinthians chapter 4 verse 3 i'm trying to explain enlightened to you but if our gospel is hid be hid it is hid to them that are lost then it says, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of christ who is the image of God to shine unto them? So to be enlightened has to do with having the light of the glorious, of the glorious gospel being shined on you. You see, the gospel is described as light. Okay? Jesus is light. I mean, there are several verses in the Bible. In Luke is described as the day, the day star, the light. A great light that has arisen. Okay? When he was talking concerning Chorazin and those places, he described Jesus as light. There are several places where Jesus described as light because he's light. So he says, anyone who was enlightened, eh? anyone who was enlightened, that is to be born again, okay, and have tasted the heavenly gifts. There are three heavenly gifts that the Bible mentions. The gift of eternal life. Acts chapter chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So there's a gift of the Holy Ghost that is given. Then there's a gift of eternal life, which is in John chapter 3, verse 16. If any man, whosoever, for God so loved the word that he gave, his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but should have what? Everlasting life. 
Romans 6, rather. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Have you seen it? Yeah. So eternal life is the gift of God. The Holy Ghost is the gift of God. Then righteousness is the gift of God. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. If any man, for if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, how much more did you see the abundance of grace? And of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So these are the gifts, the heavenly gifts that are given by God, free of charge. Okay, so go back to Hebrews chapter 6. For if it is impossible, it is impossible those who were once enlightened, I've showed you that, right? Yeah. And have tasted the heavenly gift, I've showed you that, right? Yeah. And were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. That means, that has to do with people who have engaged themselves in the gifts of the Spirit. The nine gifts, the ninefold gifts of the Spirit. Okay? Yeah. Speaking in tongues, for instance, is one of them. is the main one, the gifts of the Spirit. Then, if you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you see it. You see nine different the gifts of word of knowledge. Eh? You see someone, God gives you knowledge concerning his past, where he has been. And God shows you knowledge concerning where he's going to be. So you engage in prophetic things and all of those things. A lot of, eh? For, to one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, by the same spirit. It goes on and on and on and on and on. So Hebrews chapter 6 once again is describing different someone who has had all these things happening in his life eh? we are made partakers of the Holy Ghost verse 5 and have tasted the good word of God that is the highest height of God's word it's called the honey of God's word and the palace of the world to come next verse, verse 6 if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance seeing they crucify to themselves the son of God afresh and put him to an open shame so if someone has experienced all these things and then comes to a place and says that Jesus is nothing. For instance, I saw a pastor, I was showing it to Pastor Yvonne, uh, I think yesterday or so. A South African pastor who says he's now a Muslim. And there's a video of him going to Mecca and all of that. He has a congregation of about 100,000 people. You can check it on YouTube if you're interested. Yes. Oh, so that's someone who has gone to a certain level and then decided that Jesus is nothing. Do you get it? Yeah. Uh, he says it is impossible. I'm not the one saying it. He says it is impossible to renew such a person. Uh, so consciously rejecting Jesus Christ will make you lose your salvation. If you have gone to that level, say it from your heart. Just like you did when you became born again. You said with your you believe with your heart and you say it with your mouth. So if you believe with your heart that Jesus is nothing and you say it with your mouth that Jesus is nothing, you leave. Beautiful. Have I answered you? Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Daddy, thank you very much. I mean, there's no, no better place to be than this place right now, Daddy. God bless you so much. Daddy, when you were explaining the, the righteousness and the holiness, I, I just saw um, my eye open. I saw a, a banner stretched from one end of the earth to the other, written on it, the grace of God. It was so beautiful. Yeah, so God bless you, Daddy. Yeah, Daddy, my question is in two scriptures. Luke 4, verse 4, and then Colossians three sixteen. Your question is scriptures. Yes, Daddy. Wow. Yeah. He said, and Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, 
that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And then Colossians 3.16. So let the word of Christ dwell in you. So I see word of God and then word of Christ. And I just want you to throw a little light on it for me. Whether the word, word of, of God, God is different from the word of, word Christ. of Christ. There's yes, no difference. Yes, daddy. <laughs> There's no difference. The word of God is the word of Christ. And the word of Christ is the word of God. If you understand that Christ is God, then you understand that God is Christ. You get it. So if they say word of God, word of Christ, it's the same thing. Okay? Remember, Jesus in Luke chapter 24 from Moses throughout the prophets, he began to expound to the two on the road to Emmaus from the scriptures everything concerning himself. Luke, Luke 24, 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures. And the scriptures is the word of God. The things concerning himself. So all the scriptures has to do with him. Do you get it? Huh. So the whole, the whole thing is, is about him. Everything is about him. All the things he did in the Old Testament, everything is about him. So you cannot, you cannot say this is the word of God and this is the word of Christ. That is why you must be careful in your study not to try to split hairs. Eh? You have to be very careful not to do that. Uh, um, in your effort to study the word, you see, nobody gets to know the scriptures on their own. The scripture is not of private interpretation. You don't sit in your corner and decide that this is what this means and this is what that means. No. There's a body of revelation and there are fathers who have gone ahead upon whose shoulder you must stand. There are teachers in the, there are teachers in the body of Christ. And in our case, we have a very powerful teacher that God has given to us. I'm not, I'm not talking about myself. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a teacher. I'm a pastor. I'm talking about Reverend George. So if you don't, if you are Remiss about some things. Just look at the things that he has preached. Yes. And listen to it to give you clarity. Don't try to. I'm. I'm not a. I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor teacher. I'm not. I'm not a teacher teacher. I'm a pastor teacher. Let me say what I am and what I'm not. I'm not a teacher teacher. I'm, can't you see how he explains the scriptures? How I explain the scriptures? They are not the same. I'm a pastoral teacher. That's why whatever I say is pastorally inclined. I don't know if you've noticed. Yeah. I'm not a teacher teacher. I'm a pastor teacher. So, and he's a teacher teacher. You get it. So you must always learn to stand on the shoulders of those who have gone ahead so that you don't go off or else you end, you end up going off. Someone said, there's the body of God and then there's the body of Christ. Because of Colossians chapter 2. Yeah. Colossians 2, 1. And I'm just adding that the Holy Spirit is also your teacher. Exactly. So, so. don't go into the, the word with your mind. Yeah. Always go asking the Holy Spirit to help you because People have a tendency of trying to read the, the scriptures with their, with their heads. Mere understanding. And that's where all these funny, strange things come. Because most of the time, when people do that, it's fleshly. Like, they, it's more of. It's like not a, science. They want, and it's not physics. Then it's as if they want to achieve something. Yeah. The, the motive behind how you are doing it is in question if you cannot ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. You understand? Because he's the original teacher. Okay. Exactly so. For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you, and of them out Laodicea, and of and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, 
Verse 2. That their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of their full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father, and of Christ. So because of this, the mystery of God, and the mystery of the Father, and the mystery of Christ, because the mystery of Christ is the church, which is the body of Christ. So then, it means that the mystery of God also has come to the body, which is the body of God. Do you understand? But if you read it in original Greek, the Amplified says it better, in a better way. Look at the Amplified. He says that, uh, let me read the, the second portion. It says, and that they may become progressively more intimately acquainted with, with and may know more definitely and accurately and thoroughly that mystic secret of God, which is Christ, the anointed one. So the mystic secret of God is actually Christ. And the mystery of Christ is the church. And the mystery of the church is the body of Christ, basically. Are you getting it? Yeah. Uh-huh. So there's nothing like the body of God and the body of Christ. The mystery of God is Christ. First Timothy 3.16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Hmm? Then he starts explaining. God was manifested in the flesh. When God was manifested in the flesh, what was his name? Jesus. Sin of angels. Preached unto the Gentiles. Believed on in the world. Received up into glory. So the mystery of God is Christ. And the mystery of Christ is the church. That's all. But then he wanted to differentiate. Like, there's a mystery of God, and hence there's a body of God, and the mystery of Christ, which is the body of no. I mean, it's wrong. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Have I answered you? Thank you, Bishop. Uh, these are questions that came from a young yeah, just, man. Just a second. If there's any differentiation to make between the, the word of God and the word of Christ, if there's any differentiation, it will let you know that the word of God speaks concerning Christ. John fourteen ten. Let's, show, let's see it. Okay? The word of God is actually a revelation of Christ. So, believers that know that I'm in the Father and the Father in me, the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. The Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Jesus also mentioned that search the scriptures, for in them you think that you have eternal life. For they are they that speak of me. Eh? I thought that's what this was going to show us. Can you put that verse up? The scriptures speak concerning him. So the whole revelation of God is actually about Christ. Okay, say the scriptures. John chapter 5, verse 39. Say the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. The scriptures speak concerning Jesus Christ. So if you are finding, if you are going through the scriptures and you are not finding Jesus Christ, then you are, you are not reading the right thing. All right. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Daddy, for... Sorry. For the opportunity. My question is, how can one increase the influence of life in them? This question comes from the influence of life taught by Prophet Adam. What did Prophet Adam say? Uh, <laughs> yeah, what did Prophet Adam say? Exactly. What did Prophet Adam say to do to increase life? How do you increase the influence life? of life? The influence I, of life. I think he spoke about speaking in tongues a lot. I think that was mainly what he talked about. Reading, praying, speaking in tongues, reading the word. That's how you increase. No matter what anybody teaches, it will end up in these things. Prayer, fasting, meditation, the word, the Holy Spirit, confessions. That is, that is it. So every church service is an opportunity to inspire you 
to do these things. Because that's in a different way. That's, that's basically what it's about. So there's no confusion about it. If anybody preaches anything and it ends up telling you that for you to increase the life of God, in, or for you to respond, it's actually with respect to responding to the life of God in you and living the way God wants you to live, you have to bath a certain type of a certain type of soup or, or, or leaves or oil. Put salt in oil and, and strike, strike a nail through a wood and say something. As you strike, when you strike the nail, pop, and then you say something. So no matter what is preached, it will always end up in these things. The word, loving God, flowing in the spirit, speaking in tongues, whatever it is. Patience, whatever. Hallelujah. Yeah. How can a God of love send someone to hell? Matthew 25, 41, 2 Peter 3, Because the God of love is not only of love, he's the God of justice. Justice, The judges who put people behind bars, do you think they are not loving to their children? They are loving to their children. But if someone breaks the laws of the country, it is their responsibility to judge the person and put the person behind bars. It's as simple as that. Including their child. If their child should do something wrong, Okay, their child killed someone and they bring their child to him. That they bring your child to you and you're a judge. You can't favor your child. No. Exactly. It is out of love. All that is the love of God. Okay? Uh huh. So, uh, the same God of love has made provision for you and I and told us, believe this one. He killed his own son so that you, he made you as his son take your place. So I don't know why you don't prefer, you prefer not to accept what he's given to you. The road is showing you, but you prefer to ask him questions concerning whether if he's a God of love, why is he putting people in hell? He's not putting anybody in hell. The Bible says that hell was not prepared for men. It was prepared for the devil and his ah, That's the scripture you quoted. Matthew 25, verse 41. Then shall he also say unto them that them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So it was, it was not prepared for human beings. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. The devil and his angels are pushing for human beings to be put there, to join them over there. So it's not the God of love who is putting anybody there. Yes. All right. Um, thank you, Bishop. So my question is more of me seeking clarification between... Your question is what? I'm seeking clarification. You are seeking clarification, okay. Yeah. Between having the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit, my reference point is Acts 4, when it says Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he was threatened, and later on he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So what I want clarification on is the entire process. Like, I had this thought in my head, just a person thought of having a particular capacity where you're being filled and maybe that capacity increases or maybe it's kind of like depletes instead. So I'm just seeking clarification on that. All right. So you, you see the Spirit is described with um, this, the Holy Spirit is a person. Okay. It's primarily a person. Huh. Now, he's a person and also he's the power of God. So there's a person aspect that you relate to. So he's described as helper, comforter, standby, advocate. That's in John. Jesus spoke about that. John chapter 14, verse 16. 
Okay, 26 also says it. But the comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, stand by the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. So the Holy Spirit is a person that must be related to, spoken to. So scriptures like 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, which has to do with the fellowship of the Spirit. He says that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost or the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You see, he's talking about talking because the Holy Spirit, the primary reason why reason for God creating us is for fellowship. God came into the garden at the cool of the day all the time to talk to Adam, isn't it? And then Adam fell and then that was cut. The restoration is a restoration back to fellowship. If you read the Bible, I'm teaching a series in, uh, in church in Athesaros concerning the leadings of the Spirit. And I've started it from the fact that we are the wife of Christ. Do you see? A wife is for companionship. That's this is my wife. The primary, yeah, the primary, the primary, listen, the, it's not sex. Primary. No, it's not sex primary. You'd be surprised that you will not be having sex every time. It's more than that. It's companionship. Do you see? My wife was going through some things this morning. And I hugged her and gave her, just prayed for her. Oh, this and that and that. That's, that's the main thing. It's for you to be around, you know, for the person. When I, she was also asking me, are you okay? I said, oh, Charlie, I'm not okay like that. This, this, this. And then she also said some things to comfort me. Right this morning. Do you get it? That's companion. That's what, we, that's what you are looking for. So, don't look for botos. Eh? Don't look for botos. That's all you are looking for. Botos and hips. Eh? And breasts. The Lord is watching you. That is not the primary thing. You are looking, you're always looking for botos as though you'll be walking behind your wife all the time. As you're walking, you're looking behind your wife like that. Ah! It's primarily for companionship. The spirit and the bride must see together. Come, Lord Jesus. That's God's aim. You see, for companionship. So the Holy Spirit is there primarily for companionship. However, there's a power that he also has. The Holy Spirit is the power of God. Do you get it? The Holy Spirit is the power of God. Now, because the Holy Spirit is the power of God, the aspect of power is described with respect to discharging and recharging. So the power can be discharged. It's just like charging your phone. You charge your phone for it to be used. It gets to maybe 17%, and then you recharge it to 100% so that you can utilize the power. No bizo. Without the recharge of the, the battery, you can't make your calls, you can't send your messages. you can't watch um, messages, Facebook, whatever it is that you want to do with it. No bizo. So when we talk about the infilling of the Spirit, we are talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? I talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, it was described this way. And the Spirit came upon. So you hear the Bible talk about the Spirit came upon Samson mightily. That's the Spirit of might. Do you see? But in the New Testament, it's called the infilling of the Spirit. The Spirit, it says Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost. That's in Acts chapter, Acts chapter 4, verse 3. And Peter, being filled with the Holy Spirit, said... So you see several infillings of the Spirit. Then verse 8, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto him, unto them. So it's not that Peter, the Holy Ghost came again into Peter's life. No, he's talking about the power of the Spirit. You see, the, the, Peter was filled with the Spirit. 
okay, with the power of the Spirit, and said unto them, He was bold. The infilling of the Spirit brings boldness. The power brings boldness. Okay? Uh huh. So, I don't know if I'm, if I'm helping. It's actually power and then person. Uh-huh. But the person is what, relating with the person leads to the recharge. Do you get it? Relating with the person of the Holy Spirit leads to the recharge of the battery life of the power of the power of the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Uh-huh. So that's it. That is it. So you see many, 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 many references. Um Acts chapter 16. 16, 18. 16, 18. And this she many days. But Paul being grieved, turned and said unto him, I command thee in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out of the out of the same. This one it didn't say he was with the spirit. There are other places where they say he was with the spirit. Uh-huh. So the infinite of the spirit is the recharge of the power of God. Okay, and one of the ways of recharging the power of God is speaking in tongues. Another way is fellowshipping with the spirit. Another way is reading your Bible, study of the scriptures. Do you see? Uh-huh. All these lead, another way is meditation on the scriptures. All these lead to the recharge of the power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've answered you. So as a child of God, you must be interested. There's a hand over there. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. There's a hand over there. And my question is, it's just along the lines of what, what was asked. Um, in the Old Testament, there are also references of people being failed, um, like Bezalel. And yeah. those people, and also with John the Baptist, where he says he was filled with a spirit from his mother's womb. So, my, my question is that since the Holy Ghost only indwelled after Christ died, does it mean that these people that it wasn't described as upon, but within, it was also in respect to the power? That's, that's my question. Yeah, it's always with reference to the power. Now, it's just um, it's terminology. Okay? Uh, for instance, even in the New Testament, in First Peter. Um, Peter describes all the, those who wrote the scriptures as having the, 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 the spirit was in them. Do you see? Uh-huh. It, like I'm saying, it's just technology. It doesn't... Um, 2 Peter 1, 20. 21. What we are doing is important though. <laughs> Don't be a clueless Christian. A clueless Christian is a powerless Christian. It's a Christian who does not know how to use his power. Okay? Yeah. The way to have access to the power of God that is in your life is to get to know his word more. The more you know his word, the more more you're able to access the power, which is already resident in you. Okay? Tell me, but don't be a clueless Christian. Like Christians who don't know what to do. They don't know what to do when there's a problem. It's not only about receiving a car, receiving a house. You need to understand the scriptures. That's why we are doing what we are doing now. I don't know what you're expecting, but this is it. Okay. Yes, First Peter 1, 11. Yes, that one talks about the Spirit in them. Yeah. Searching what manner, what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in, this one even says the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, this signifies. He's talking about Old Testament prophets too. And we all know that they didn't have the Spirit of God in them. Do you see? So that's why I'm saying that it's terminology. It's just a play of words to uh, help, you under- help you just understand. Just 
using New Testament way of describing something that happened in the Old Testament for you to appreciate what they had. You understand? Yeah. Uh, so when the Bible talks about a failed Bezalel and a Holiab with the spirit of wisdom to make them artifices and all of that, he's talking about how the Lord had um, and notice that it's a spirit of wisdom. It's not the Holy Spirit. Okay? For instance, the Bible talks about how Moses laid hands on Joshua and from that time on he was filled with the spirit of wisdom. Isn't it? Yeah. He's talking about um, an experience they had. Okay? With the spirit. That gave them an ability to function along a particular line. But none of them was filled with the Holy Spirit that we have in his completion, in his person, like we do. They had aspects of the spirit. We have without measure, they had with measure for a particular purpose, to accomplish a particular thing. So it's the same as the spirit coming upon this one mightily to accomplish the same thing. Okay? For instance, um, Samson had the spirit of might, but the spirit of wisdom was not there. That's why he made a lot of mistakes. You see? Solomon had the spirit of wisdom, but he didn't have the spirit of the fear of the Lord working in him. So what God said not to do is exactly what he did. Dizzy. Uh-huh. But in our case, all the sevenfold, eh, um, Isaiah chapter, chapter 11, right? Verse 1 and 2. It says, let's read from verse 1. And there shall come forth the rod out of the stem of Jesse which is Jesus Christ. Yeah. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. He's talking about Jesus Christ. Then he says, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and, and understanding, the spirit of counsel and mind, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Now this branch is a, is a branch that we have come out of. Wow. So what he has is what we have. Do you get it? Uh-huh. So it's not the same. It's, it's different. Uh, it's different. For instance, um, Gideon, have the spirit of might coming upon him to accomplish the things that he did. Do you see? Huh. But he also had his own. He, he had his own default. You always see a default somewhere. Yeah. Huh. So basically, I've answered you. Remember. Thank you, Daddy. And please, I wanted to know the difference between word of knowledge and word of wisdom. So, word of no- knowledge has to do with. Um, it normally has to do with something concerning the past. Knowledge concerning something that has happened. Something that's happened in the person's life already. Do you see? Um, I was talking to a lady here. And I saw how many guys? I saw a number of guys around that person. That's word of knowledge. So I saw, I think about five guys or so. And I mentioned there are five guys in your life. This, 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 this. She started crying. Said it's true. There was another guy I was standing here with. He came to me. He came to ask for money. When he came to stand before me, the Lord told me he should stop betting. If he stops betting, he will do well. So I told him, God said you should stop betting. If you stop betting, you will do well. He said, Oh, he has never betted before in his life. And then God showed it to me. I'm not betting. God showed, God just showed it to me that he was betting with his phone. I think I described his dress, something like that. And he was really taken aback. Then he took the chip he has been betting with. It was in his pocket. He took it out and said, this is the 
chip I've been using to bet. Then he broke it. Right here. Do you see? Uh -huh. So that is what word of knowledge is something concerning the person's past. Mm -hmm. Something concerning the person's past. Or something that is happening in the person's life right now. Right now. What's present? Something that is happening in the person's life right now. As I'm talking to them, I'm seeing a spine. I'm seeing a spine, like from the neck area down to the waist area, a spine. I'm seeing the skeletal thing. And the Lord is telling me that there's someone who has had a very, you have a very bad spine. The Lord is healing it right now. Yes. The Lord is pushing it back into place, pushing everything back into place. I think it's giving you some waist problems. Do, if, you, if you are the one I'm talking about, you can stand up. So I pray for you. The other one I'm talking about, you can stand up. It's giving a lot of uh, waist problems and all of that. Okay, so just lift up your hands right now. If you are like, if you are the one I'm describing, just lift your hand. Father, thank you for touching your children. Thank you for healing for them. Thank you that that problem, that spinal issue that is causing the waist problems, giving them back problems, is gone completely and it will never come back again. Even in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Congratulations. So that's word of knowledge. God just, mm, you just see something. And word of wisdom has to do with the person's future. Mm. So God gives you, just like God gave um, Joseph access to the future concerning what was going to happen. The seven years of plenty, the seven years of dryness. Do you see? Uh -huh. So God shows you concerning the, something concerning the person's future or the future of a particular group or a, partic a particular thing. It's not just a, a human being. Sometimes it has to do with a group of people, a country, a family, something. God just shows it to you. Uh, so that's, that's the difference. Okay? And normally the two work together yes, so that you can help people, not so that you can become like you have access. And it's, all these gifts are operated by the the influence of the Holy Spirit. It's not under the influence of any human being. It's as the Spirit wills. It's not as you will. The day you want to see, you will not see anything. The day you don't want to see anything, that's when the Lord may bring you something. You get it? Yeah. Uh -huh. So it's, look at the First Corinthians 12 verse 8. For to one is given by the Spirit, the word of wisdom is given by the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Okay? Then to another, faith by the same spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same spirit. And if you check the word another, it's not the same. They are, they, he's talking about the word another here. To another, faith by the same spirit. It's different from the word another in the verse before. Okay? One is allos, one is heteros. So go back, go to verse 8. For to one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom. To another, the word another is... Alus. If you check, you see it. It's Alus. So he's talking about the same person. The same to the same person, the word of knowledge by the same spirit. So that's why I said that the word of wisdom, um, word of wisdom and word of knowledge operate together. The spirit of God does not give you one without the other. He gives the same to the same person. But then the next verse, to another, the word here is heteros, to another person. Faith by the same spirit. Do you see? Heteros person. Faith by the same spirit. To another, the word another there is alus. The gifts of healing by the same spirit. 
Next verse. To another, the work of miracles. The word there is alos, right? That one is alos. So it's two, five, two. Not three, three, three. Two, word of wisdom, word of knowledge together. Gift of healing, faith, working of miracles, prophecy, and discerning of spirits. Eh? And uh, I hope I'm doing it right. I'm doing it right. That's right. So it's two, five. All that is alos to one person. Five. Then the last two is what? But all these diverse, so diverse kind of tongues and interpretation of tongues is one person. But healing, faith, working on miracles, prophecy, and designing on spirits is all together for one person. Do you get it? So check it. You see heteros, alos, heteros, alos, heteros. And the Bible says that we should desire the best gifts. Don't be a Christian who doesn't have any desire for any spiritual gift. No, you should desire to have, you see, they are gifts of the Spirit. So it's, it's, not, it's something you don't have to struggle for. It's just, it's a blessing from the Lord. The ability to pray for people, for them to be healed of all manner of sicknesses. It's from, it's from the Lord. It's, it's a gift from the Lord for you. And you need to start operating in it or start working in it. Okay, as I swear, God is moving you. So that the day your mother is ill and is dying, you can, that you can easily avail yourself of the Spirit of God to flow through you to do something for your mother. Okay? Yes, sir. Yeah, Pastor, I want to say something. Yeah, I just wanted to add that, you know, when you, you started, you, you were speaking about the word of knowledge and then you were giving somebody a word of knowledge right now. The Holy Spirit was drawing my attention to the fact that, you see, when you are faithful with little, you will be faithful with much. A lot of people want to see and prophesy and do things, but what has been given to them, they have neglected. God will not add on to it. You understand? Yeah. It's nice. It's like, oh, daddy just said, hey, so nice. Hey. I was seeing it in people's faces, so it just came to me, you know. The parable of the talent, what have you done with what God has given to you? Have you multiplied it? If you multiply it, he will add on to it. And then he says in Matthew 25. And the um, talent can be anything, eh? Yeah, it can be anything. It could cleaning be, the church? It could be cleaning the church. It could singing be singing in the choir. Singing in the choir. It could be... It could be shepherding. It could be going for your evangelism and everything. Like just being faithful with what God has given to you. Because if you despise that, just like the person, the, 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 the story and the talent, who despised what God had given, the master had given to him because he didn't, he didn't receive three, he didn't receive five like the others, but buried that one that he was given. It was taken away from him and given to the others who had more. Sorry. So he said, um, uh, for, in 29, For unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. And from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he has. So don't expect an exponential jump from where you are. But what you have been giving, you are not faithful with. It's not going to happen. 
unless you go into familiar spirits and a whole lot of nonsense. Oh, yes. Yeah, and most of the time, those people, it's just for selfish reasons. Yes. So the Lord will they are with family. A lot of preachers are preaching familiar spirits, actually. Yeah. Because, remember, it's by the Spirit. It's not as you will. Do you get it? Yeah. So when you notice someone who's like, the person is operating it on his own accord. You have to be careful. You have to be very careful. Yeah. If you meet a real correct prophet, there's a day he will just preach and go. There are days then he will just be he's just calling names. You, this, you, that, you, that. You don't expect that as he, as he has come. There must be demonic manifestations everywhere. When he starts talking now, uh, demonic. No, it's, it's, the, it's us, Professor Dilly. Yeah. It's according to, I mean, yeah. And they'll say something like, if, yeah. if God won't let me, I'll move. Yes. And if then God say, yeah. If God will move, he'll move. Like, it's a red flag, please. It's a red flag. Right now, it's not, you know, people say, oh, we're not funny, the church be very careful. Yeah. If God doesn't move, run away, please. <laughs> Huh, yeah, so yeah. that's what I just had to tell you all, yeah. Be faithful with what you have, and God will add on to it. Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful, yeah. My dad was killed by friends 17 years ago, and his body parts was used for money rituals. rituals. His, his, these friends are still alive and enjoying my father's blood. How can I forgive and how can I forget? Mm. Very painful. I'm wondering how you found out. <laughs> but I would ask that you, you meet a pastor so that the pastor can help you. Okay, you can either meet me or meet any of the pastors who are around, who you know, so that you can be spoken to on a personal level. Yeah, because it's sensitive. If I say something, you may feel I'm not sensitive. But if I were talking to you one-on-one, I'd have said it in a different way. So I feel you should talk to a pastor. This is, you need pastoral care along that line so that you can be taken care of. So that's my answer for you. Wow. Yes. Thank you, Daddy. I remember during the last Ask the Author service I attended, a question was asked about women and surrogacy. Recent events in my life has made me think about the other side of it. So my question is, as a man, is it really necessary to get married in order to have a family or I could get someone to bear my seed through IVF in order to bear my children? Hey, I said one. A grandma was a minister in the pool. Yeah, so the absence of a mother means even much more, uh, what, greater or bigger. Okay, so you don't, it's, it's a wrong way to think. Don't allow science and modernity to, or civilization to, to change your, to change what God has said. I mean, God said, male and female made him. You see, he told them to be fruitful and multiply, and told them to have a family and all of that. The family is the first institution that God created, and it has to be honored. Okay, so I I would ask you to also see your pastor. 
or I feel you need pastoral counseling. There's something that may be going on in your mind, something that you have seen or heard that is making you afraid of the female species. Maybe someone has disappointed you. Most people like this too don't want to be committed. They have not learned commitment. So it's just an escape route. Yes. Mm, yeah, maybe because of what you have seen, your experience, something. Maybe you saw your, your, your mother did not love your father. He did something. I, I mean, it could be a lot of things. So you need serious pastoral care. So I, I recommend that you talk to your pastor. Okay? Talk to the nearest pastor you can find so that you can receive good answers. <laughs> I can receive help. Maybe to the thing is what is that? That's also another thing. So that's why you need you need pastoral counseling. Yeah, it's a real issue. Maybe the the penis is not working as supposed to. So so the yeah. yeah. So like like I said, you need you need serious pastoral counseling. Yeah, because that is not how God made it. God want, God God wants you to be committed to something. Committed to someone because you see you don't you can't lift a chair or you can't lift things with just one hand. You need both hands to to do things. You get it? This is the male. This is the female. This is the male. This is the female. You need both to be able to raise a child and both to be able to do. Not male male or female female, but male and female. That's what raises a child well. Yeah, my brother. Yeah. All right, thank you, Bishop. Thank you. Um, for the opportunity, my, my question is still related to the gifts of the Spirit, which okay. you've just covered. So Mark 16 says, These signs will follow them that believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And First Corinthians 12 is talking about the gifts of the Spirit. So the first question is, is there a difference between what was said about healing in Mark 16 and the gift of healing in First Corinthians 12. Second question is, if you can just speak to the difference between speaking the language of the Spirit and then the gift of diverse kinds of tongues. All Thank right. you. Thank you. So the first aspect of your question is um, Matthew 16, verse 18. It says, this, this has to do with all believers. Okay? My brother, all believers... For Mark 16, 18, it's for all. And all believers can lay hands on the sick for them to recover. The other one is a gift. It's a special gift that, that is given. Meaning that it's not everyone who has that. Okay? Uh-huh. And God gives that for the benefit of the body of Christ. Because it's not everyone in the body of Christ who is walking in Mark 16, 18. So, for the benefit of the whole body of Christ... Okay, God gives, it's not even for the body of Christ, it's actually for those who are outside the body of Christ. The gifts of the Spirit is actually for those who are outside the body because for those of us who are in the body of Christ, he's expecting you not to be sick to start with. That's where to start from. Communion, because of understanding of the new birth, because of communion and all of that, he's not expecting you to fall sick. But then if you should fall sick and you have another believer who can lay hands on you and believes these things, you can, you can recover. And you'll be fine. And this is where most of us started. Because you're a child of God. I mean, you can lay hands on the sick and they recover. But as you go on, you will notice that there are um, special sets of, uh, of gifts, you know, for healings. 
It says gifts of healings. So different kinds of healings. Uh, it's gifts of healing. Gifts of healing. So they are di- even in the healing, there are different aspects. For instance, Philip. Philip's healing, the gifts that were showing up forth in him, was that when it comes to the healing, it was for people who were paralyzed. There was no um, mention of, let's look at it, Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere, everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave it unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Now, let's look at the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them. Okay, so that's one side. Then it says, and many that were taken with palsies. Palsies, that's people who are paralyzed. And them that were lame, still along that same line, were healed. Next verse. For foul spirits, it says, and there was great rejoicing in that city. And many who were suffering from palsy or were crippled were restored to help. So the manifestation of the gift in his life was along the lines of cripples. Actually, it exists too. There are people who, every healing is along the lines of cripples. There are some, every healing is along the lines of deaf and dumb. Different, different, different. You notice if you've read church history, you see it. Different people with different the hunters. You see, the hunters had a specialty. Their specialty was bones, cracks, this one, this one. It will restore right now. You don't need to, no faith, spine, whatever, it will come back right now. Uh-huh. And then there are those who also operate in several aspects of it. Some are like Pastor Chris or Akilome, operate in several aspects of the gifts of healing. You get it? Uh-huh. So there's that general thing where we lay hands, that's, that's there. And then there's the gift too. Uh-huh. I hope it's clear. And then the second one, there's a general tongue speaking, which is for everybody. Okay, it's the gifts of the Spirit that God gives, that the Holy Spirit gives to you when it comes to you. Okay, the ability to speak in tongues. Then there's tongues and interpretation of tongues. Where the tongue that is spoken can be interpreted or can come as a language that someone can understand. Do you get it? One day Reverend George was preaching and there were some two guys who were fidgeting in front of him. As he was, people were distracting his message. You know, Reverend George doesn't like it when he's preaching and people are walking around, going up and down. Doing, you are confusing him. Do you see? He wants everybody seated. But these guys were sitting in front and misbehaving and having a chat and talking and and he didn't know how to pronounce because he's in another man's church. So it was worrying him. And then he was led to speak in tongues. So he spoke in tongues. Spoke in tongues for about a minute and then continued the message. After he spoke in the tongues, both of them became quiet. Started the meeting throughout two and a half hours quietly. So after so he was wondering what had happened. After the meeting, they came to him and, and said, We are very sorry, sir. He said, oh, what about? He said, oh, you spoke to us in Igbo. You spoke to us in the Igbo language, telling us to shut up and sit down. God is speaking to us, and we are, we are chatting. So that's how they heard it. Do you get it? Uh-huh. So that's, that's um, tongues and interpretation of tongues. Okay? Tongues and interpretation of tongues. If you read in Acts chapter 2, you will see how... So it's according to what the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish. 
is according to what the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish at a particular time. For instance, you don't need tongues and interpretation of tongues when you are coming to heal somebody. Someone needs healing and you are speaking in tongues about the person. It may not, you may, you may have to have gifts of faith to pray for the person for something to happen supernaturally. Yeah. Do you get it? Uh-huh. So he says to covet the, the best gifts, what is required at that particular time. Okay, so if you notice you are in a particular area where there are a lot of sick people, you have to start praying and desiring for. It's desire. If you desire for the gifts of healings, you can have to help the people who are there. Okay? Yes. And the most excellent way is to walk in love. As you walk in love, you have them flowing in your life without any restrictions. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. So that's, that's it, basically. All right. Thank you. Can Higgin? Can Higgin was preaching one day. And as he was preaching, a certain man walked in who is German-American who hits church. He brings his wife, but he does not come. But he decided to just enter the service on this particular occasion. When he, when he entered, can he spoke in tongues? Not knowing the man heard it as German. That he needs to give his life to Christ now or else he will not live. And I think he mentioned his name even in the tongues. So the man came to come and give his life to Christ. That's how he gave his life to Christ. Ken Hagen didn't know that that was what he was saying in tongues. He was just prompted by the Spirit to speak in tongues. And he did that. Do you see? So conforming to the leading of the Spirit, the leading of the Spirit is very, it can be strange. But just follow what the Spirit of God tells you to do. Okay? One woman was going to preach. And as she was praying for the, she was praying for the meeting, God told her to do danglation. Do you know danglation? How do you say that? Cat, is it cartwheel? Cartwheel, right? To do cartwheel rollings on the stage. I mean, how can you do rollings on the stage? Like, I've come today and I've come and do rollings on the stage. You know, but, so she was preaching and then she did it. As she was preaching, she put the microphone down and then that's the danglation. Do you know danglation? And then continued preaching. Not knowing someone was in the, in the service who hated God with all her heart. It's a, it's a guy with all his heart. And said to God that if it's real, today the preacher should do the danglation for him. Him to see. If he does the danglation, then. Yeah. So there's always, the Spirit of God has always has something he wants to accomplish. All the time. And just flowing with the Spirit. Oh, yes. Makes a world of a difference. Wow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. What a blessing. For instance, God told me to do questions and answers today. Wow. Has it worked? Is it nice? Yeah. You see, God has touched a lot of aspects, a lot of things. Yeah. So in Acts chapter 2, when the first time they spoke in tongues, God wanted to accomplish something. So it came, it was tongues with interpretation. You see, he says, now when this is Acts chapter 2, verse 6, now when this was noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue where we were born? Parthians and Medes. So this was what the 140, um, was it 140 or 120? As they spoke in tongues, this was what the other people were hearing. They were hearing Parthians, Medes, Elamites, the dwellers of Mesopotamia in Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. Phrygia, Pamphylia in Egypt and in the past of Libya, about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Greece and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. 
You see, God wanted to accomplish something. So this was a unique something that was happening. So it made the people gather. And because they gathered, when Peter preached, they got born again. 3,000 got born again. But in Cornelius' case, there was no need for interpretation of the tongues. So they just <laughs> spoke in tongues and magnified God. That was it. That's in Acts chapter 10, verse uh, 38. Acts 10, 42, sorry. 42. And he commanded 44. While Peter had speak these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Next verse. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered they. Then answered Peter, blah, blah. goes on. You see, they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. He didn't say they heard the tongues as in Jew, in Jewish language, magnifying God. So they spoke in tongues and then they were giving God glory. Monagada, thank you, Father. Monagada, I'll give you glory. Like that. You get it? Beautiful. So it's for, it's for a purpose. And when God wants to accomplish something in a particular group, he does that for them. Okay? Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, through desire, you can have a particular gift showing up more frequently in your life. There was this man and a wife who, would, who operated in tongues and interpretation of tongues very easily. So the man would speak in tongues and the woman would interpret in any language that she has never learned, depending on what God wants to accomplish in a particular congregation. So he can speak Japanese, I mean, he can Japanese. The man will speak in tongues and she will interpret in Japanese. And a Japanese person that will understand and get a message from God. You get it? Uh-huh. So, I mean, that's also there. Yes. Hallelujah. So, but according to um, John twelve twenty four, see that except a corner of it falls down to the ground and dies, it abides alone. Yes, John twelve twenty four. John twelve twenty four. Very very I say unto you, except a corner of it falls to the ground and dies, die, it abides alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. What's the link between death and fruitfulness? And when Jesus says um, you should die, as a believer, what is he talking about concerning death? Yes. Beautiful. Did you understand? Yeah. What's the relationship between death and fruitfulness? Beautiful. It's a very interesting question. Now, Jesus was the one, he's the only one who was born to die. You know, in the Old Testament, the sheep that was sacrificed, okay, um, when, 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 when the Bible says that the sheep must, not, must be spotless, must, must not have any spot or any blemish. It was done by certain shepherds at the birth of the sheep. When the sheep is born, the sheep is born and wrapped in swaddling cloths. You see, they wrap the sheep in swaddling cloths. Hallelujah. When our Lord was born, he was also wrapped in swaddling cloths. Now, swaddling cloths was also used for burying the dead. Okay? It was also used for burying the dead. To show that the sheep that has been born is going to be sacrificed. They, they cover the sheep with swaddling cloth and they put the sheep in the manger and check to see if the sheep's eyes are okay, ears are okay, everything is okay with the sheep. Before it, it is qualified to become either the, the, the burnt offering, especially the burnt offering, okay, and also the sin offering. So our Lord Jesus was the only one who was born to die. 
So he was also put in a swaddling cloth. If you remember, he was wrapped in swaddling cloth. Do you remember? Yeah. And he was put in a manger. No bizo. Yes. Because it's the Lamb of God that came to come and take away the sin of the world. Okay? That scripture is in reference to Jesus Christ. Practically, I mean, that is it. He is the only corn that dies for much fruits to be born. Every other reference is in reference to, it's just symbols. I've used that scripture, I've preached it so many times. Okay? But it has to do with, there's a death that we must also go through for others to benefit. For instance, this church that we are sitting in would not have worked. You know, there are some people who were here this morning, early this morning. Do you know? Yeah. They were here, they came to clean, came to make sure the place is set up, came to make sure the cameras, screens, everything is working. If they hadn't done that, you wouldn't be comfortable. You'd be sitting in rubbish right now. Is it true? Yeah. Now, they had to get here early. They had to roll up their sleeves and give their energy and their time to do all that is a, it's a dying process. It's a sacrifice. No bizo. so. Your branch pastor. Hey, go there. I mean, he's struggling to make the church work. Oh, he needs your help. If you don't help him, the church is not going to work. All those who push for the church to be built, okay, are going through a certain form of death. And they are carrying a certain kind of cross in order for the gospel to keep going. Now, as they do that, a lot of people's lives are... I mean, there are several people... I don't, there, I don't know many people sitting here on a personal level. But if I had not done what God told me to do to start a church, when it didn't look like it was going to be anything, we would not be sitting here. Or... And if the one who came to you to come and preach to you also did not make a sacrifice to come to you and to call you, you may be sitting here, you are not excited about the meeting. Because you may have been forced to come. You must be a prophet. (laughs) But you are benefiting. You see, someone had to to make himself uncomfortable in order for you to to be able to come in. You, you were passed there for free or something. It's someone's pocket. So the gospel cannot go without a certain kind of death. Sacrifices must be made. And when sacrifices are made, okay, fruitfulness is what comes. Now, the death that we go through, or the death that brings fruitfulness, without death, fruits cannot come. When you plant a corn in the ground, that corn dies old. It decays. And out of the decay, new life springs forth. No bizo. If you plant beans, same thing. If you plant mango, it decays. Without it decaying and rotting, it will not be able to bear the fruit that it's supposed to bear. You get it? Yeah. So we are talking about, uh, when we talk about death bringing fruit, fruits, it has to do with making certain types of sacrifices in order for newness of life to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have I answered you? Yes. So, there are some sacrifices you must make. I mean, it's, it's the truth. There are some sacrifices you must make. Paul talks about going through th- certain things. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. Look at Colossians 1, 24. He says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind in the afflictions of Christ 
in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. He says, I go through some afflictions. Eh? I fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ. The afflictions that Christ went through that are left behind for us to go through in order for the body of Christ to be built. You see, some fastings, some prayers. You think it's easy to pray? You think it's easy to pray for six hours? You are in one place for six hours or in one place for seven days. Have you ever been in one room for seven days before and not gone out? You don't go out. You are in the room. These are some of the things some of us go through in order for some things to work. Because that's the demand. Those are the demands that is made on, on us. Okay? Yes. It's similar to the one who has to make sure the light is working. There are some demands that are laid on him for things to work. Without us fulfilling the demands that are laid on us, a lot of you can't bear fruit. It's like starting a business and not being, being willing to you go to work at 2 p.m. And you close at 3.30 p.m. If, you are, if your business is going to work, you need to make certain types of sacrifices. Or you need to make certain types of sacrifices. You need to use your brain. You need to sweat. Yeah. It's not a joke. If you love yourself too much, you can't, you can't plant a successful business. There are things you must give up in order for that business to work without giving those things up and giving those things up is described as death because you are dying to certain things Other, others may be sleeping at 8am but you are awake at 4am you are going to work you are doing something you are doing that you are talking to this business person making calls doing that doing this meeting this person at this place you are meeting someone at Tema the next one I need to meet someone at Kaswa you have to drive all the way to Kaswa if you are not ready to move it's not going to work your hair, your hair business is going nowhere to happen yeah. Because you are not ready to have a certain kind of death. If you die along that, those lines, you will bear a certain type of fruit. Yeah. So that's how it is. Okay. My brother is, a, is an artist. And he did a certain work recently. He had to sit down for hours and hours. He, you, work, you, you guys work together. So Pastor Ivan knows what I'm talking about. He doesn't, he, you don't sleep. Do you sleep? You want to make anything work? You have to make certain types of sacrifices. And those sacrifices are described as death. Because if you don't go through them, you will not bear the fruit you're supposed to bear. To bear. Okay? Yes, Pastor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's like a lady who wants to get pregnant. You want to get pregnant? You must be ready to die to certain types of sleeps. They'll wake you up in the in the night. And you must be ready to wake up. Oh yes. And let's say let's let's get it on. Let's get on, baby. Right. Someone called me and said, My husband only wants to have sex in the afternoon, not in the night. He says he doesn't want his sleep to be to be disturbed. And they are looking for a baby. I told the husband, you're not serious. You have to. In the morning. So that I see. In the evening. Yeah. Withhold not thy hand. You must keep sewing. It's a seed sewing conference. Hallelujah. Have I answered you? Have I answered you? Yes. Yeah. The Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Daddy. Great. Daddy, I want to ask a question. I had an argument uh, about three days ago with my, my, my friend. So he asked the question, but it's also a question I have been waiting to ask uh, along the line of Abrahamic blessing. Yeah. And according to some of your teachings, you say that uh, as a born again by default, 
automatically you're connected to the Abrahamic blessing. So if you are a Christian, uh, a born again Christian who is connected to the Abrahamic blessing, and you pray, you fast, but you are not a giver, is it possible for you to access that blessing? That's my question. All right. It's like um, saying that you have a garden. Okay? You have a garden. And then you are not willing to plant seeds in the garden, but you're expecting mango fruits. You, you, you are not willing to plant mango fruits, but you are willing, you want to have mango. You are not willing to plant mango seeds, but you, are, you want to get mango fruits. You can pray and you are watching. You can water, you can till the land, you can fertilize the land, you can protect the land, you can do everything. There's a promise on the land that it can bear mango fruits. But if you don't put mango seeds inside, you'll have no business expecting the mango fruit. There are principles that God has laid down. The principles of sowing and reaping is God's own... God is the one who set it. Do you see? So even though we are all um, sons and daughters of Abraham, the blessings of Abraham, okay, is our, is our right. It's our birthright. And the blessing of Abraham is in different categories. There are a lot of aspects of it. But the aspect of prosperity has a principle that, it's, that, is, that is, uh, is based on. Even all the other aspects have different principles that they are based on. Do you see? Huh. For instance, um, the blessing of health. Eh? The blessing of health, which is part of the Abrahamic covenant, has some principles related to it. Okay? Yes. I mean, we know that you shouldn't eat some things. Oh, I don't know what you want to say. You take yeah, the I, I, I wanted to say that what is the Abrahamic blessing? Mm-hmm. You are blessed to be a blessing. Mm-hmm. That is the Abrahamic blessing. You are not blessed to hoard. He said, I'll make you be a great nation and I'll bless you. Mm-hmm. And I'll make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. Yeah. So if... You are talking about Abrahamic covenant, and you are not willing to be a blessing to people. You don't understand what you are talking about in the first place. You understand? Because as Christians, that is what we are wired to be. Okay? So, you don't understand it, and the probability of you seeing it is zero. Because in the first place, this is what it is. The blessing that you are talking about and arguing about is telling you that you'll be great to be a blessing. Christians do not get blessed to hoard. There's too many scriptures the giving in the Bible. Is, 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 in the, is in our nature. It's, it's, yes. it's wired inside. So if you are the seed of Abraham, it is consistent with your nature yeah. to give, yeah. to bless, to give to others, yes. to give to the house of God. Mm. Even unbelievers know that. Yeah. That for you to get, there are principles, there are spiritual principles. Yeah. Now, if you want to get to hold, you won't get it. Yes. Even though you have the capacity to be great. The capacity is there, but there are principles yeah. that, it's like, like, like I described with the garden. You have a garden. You can't go inside in front of the garden and say, Mango, 
grow, appear, mango grow. No matter how great your faith is, you'll be shocked that you will go hungry. Oh, yes. Isn't it? If you want to get mango fruit, what do you do? You must plant mango. You can't say, I'm the, I'm the seed of Abraham. Mango seeds come up now. No, it doesn't work like that. Uh, so there are spiritual principles which include the principle of sowing and reaping. Okay? If you don't give, you will not... Listen, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 20, verse, uh, verse 33. Look at Acts 20, 33. Paul said, I have coveted no man's silver, nor or gold, or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities, and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring, you ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. These are the Lord, the Lord Jesus' words. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said it. And Paul is re-emphasizing it. That you shouldn't stay without doing anything. He says work and help those who are around you. Help those who are in need. The reason why we are working is so that you can help those who are in need. Not to hurt. If you are the, if you are the seed of Abraham, the natural thing to do is to be a blessing to those who are around you. To be a blessing to there are, and there are four categories of giving. There's giving to God, there's giving to the uh, to um to your family, to your to the servant of God, giving to your family, and giving to the poor. These are the four categories of giving. Giving to God, you can't find God anywhere. It's his house that you give to. There's giving today. I'm coming to take an offering. I'm coming to take an offering before we go. Oh, you don't like it when I do that. I'm coming to take an, an offering. We are we are building at a um and we need to push it this week before the weekends. We need to give, I need about 70,000 to make sure that job goes on. So I'm going to raise some money from us. This is a good thing. If all of us should give a certain amount, we should, we should be fine. Yeah. So it's our nature to give. So we give. Do you see? Huh. So they are, they are spiritual principles. For instance, when it comes to the principle of health, okay, as a, as a, as a child of God, you are blessed with health. Now, because you're blessed with health, you shouldn't eat certain things at certain times, all the time, and keep saying that I'm the seed of Abraham. I'm a child of God. I have the life of God in me. I walk in divine health. No, you are abusing, or you don't understand. You are abusing the gift of God. You don't do that. Or, if you keep eating oil, <laughs> like eating fried rice at 1 a.m. When you hold the fried rice and you do it like this, oil is dripping, and then you are just enjoying it. You'll be surprised that you will have a problem. Eh? God is the one who told the people not to eat meat. And then later on, he said, Meat is allowed. And then he told them, Don't eat meat that has blood in it. And then he told them, don't do this, don't do that. Why? So that they can preserve their health. For the purpose of preserving their health. So you don't eat just, I mean, I, everything is blessed. And everything is, must be accepted by, with thanksgiving. But never use your liberty for an occasion for the flesh. This man, great man of God in, in uh, Jacoby, in America, was eating like no man's business. Man of God, serious healing minister. He hates cancer. Cancer falls into his hands. Serious healing minister. Do you know what killed him? Overeating killed him. Gluttony. 
killed him. Yes, at 38 years old. No, just 38. Yeah, and Ken Hagen was prompted by God to go and warn him concerning his eating. God spoke to another servant of God, and one of his servants, to go and tell him that he should judge himself along the lines of food. That was his problem. He was eating anything at any time. Even when he's praying for people, he's eating. <laughs> Beggars, chips, this, that, that, all the junk food you can think about. And it killed him. He got some disease and died. So you can't say I'm the seed of Abraham, so I'm going to eat. I'm a child of God, so I'm going to eat anything at any time. I don't know if I'm making sense. Yeah. You have to be careful. You have to. Jesus, listen, Jesus could have, could have afforded to ride on donkeys throughout his movement. But he chose to walk. Why? Because walking is an exercise. He was walking. He was exercising. Okay. Jesus was exercising. Legs. Legs. Yes, he was just walking. Leggy bends. Wow. So don't say, oh, exercise is of the devil. Exercise is not of the devil. It's part of the blessings of Abraham. I'm a child of God, so I don't walk. What are you talking about? You have to take some walks. Okay? Go for a swim. Play some golf. Go for jogging. Hello? <laughs> or else you, you, are not, you are not keeping your body the way God wants you to keep your body. Because your, God needs your body to be around for a long time for him to do what he wants. You see, all the things that God is educating, with, educating you with needs to be given to other people. God needs you alive to be able to. You don't see you at the city of Abraham, so you drive by heart. When you get on the road, everybody must clear up for you. You get an accident and die and go. The road belongs to me. The road belongs to me. No, there are principles that God has. It's the same God who laid those principles down. I mean, wisdom teaches you too. You know, you have to be very careful. <laughs> they shall eat poison. They shall drink poison. They shall not hurt them. So you go looking for poison. <laughs> Give me some poison. Exactly. The Bible says, don't tempt God. No, you shouldn't tempt God. <laughs> Give me poison. <laughs> Where's the poison? Give me the poison now. No, you're going to have a problem. Okay? Don't tempt God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have you been blessed? Can we just pray in the language of the Spirit for some time? Just stir up your spirit. Lift up your voice. Just pray in the language of the Spirit. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.